the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha. And thank you for joining us today. You are tuned in to The Believer's Journey, whether you're listening by uh, uh, some program like Spotify or if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, here we are. We're glad you have joined us. We want to thank you for um, participating in our ministry, for listening, watching, writing to us, supporting us with your prayers, with your money. We just really want to tell you thank you. We really do appreciate it. Today, I've got uh, an amazing program, and I have an amazing guest. Um, his name is Jay Brian Duncan. However, <laughs> I've never known why he puts the J in there. Nobody knows him by J. It's Brian Duncan. So, Brian is uh, has been a good friend. Uh, we've gone to church together for years and years, and he's a musician, a composer, a producer. He's uh, won accolades. Uh, he's got a gold record. He's um, he's been nominated for Grammys, won Dove Awards, nominated for more, and he's just an amazing person with a lot of humility. Oh, and our topic today is to be still while waiting on God. And I think this is something that everybody worldwide really needs to listen to and take part in. If you have questions, please write us on this. So anyway, I want to introduce you to Brian. Hey, everybody. How are you? <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> so it, it says I, I've just learned a lot of your background. Yeah. And it's probably because you're so humble. And, and oh, well. I have to tell you, I've, I've had other people on my program that have written books and have been, let's say, with San Antonio in a, in a huge uh, organization working for something that, that you, when I'm friends with them, really good friends with, this, with other people, they don't say anything about it. And it's because of humbleness, I think, is huge within people like him, like you, oh, well. that I think is amazing. Thank you. I have tried to get you on this program for a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't because I was uh, too busy. It was because I, I just this is kind of uh, a little uncomfortable. But but you're making it so comfortable. So thank you. <laughs> well, the funniest thing is we have a mutual friend who passed away, and um, right. I remember talking to you about coming onto the program, and you were saying, "Well, I'm really camera shy. I'm really uh, shy to talk on yeah. you know microphone shy." And here you jump up on the stage, you grab the microphone, you start talking to everybody, you go, that's a bunch of bunk, you know? So the first thing I did afterwards, I said, you're on my program. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, paying tribute to him was absolutely wonderful. He was a godly man. And uh, so it was, it was very, very, at the spur of the moment, I mean, it was something that was, that everybody loved him. And, and uh, 
so anyway, that's a little different than here. I mean, I, I, uh, but anyway, that's it's a little different than. So here, let me let me let our our audience know somewhat of of your background, and we're going to talk about that. And I I believe you're also getting into. Uh, a nonprofit, which we'll want to talk about yes, as well. Absolutely. Okay, so basically, it was in 1980. 1980, you composed your first jingle for um, Sonic. That's right. Sonic Drive-In. Sonic wow. Drive-Ins. And it was, it was uh, I guess, broadcast over 27 different states. It was. Wow, that's pretty yeah. successful. Well, it was one that uh, I didn't even know at the time what a jingle was, basically. Um, you know, and uh, but I was I was playing on a local talk show. I'm from Oklahoma. And so uh, I was playing and singing my songs on a local talk show called Danny's Day. Uh, one of the men there who was in who who sold time or sold air there, his name was Paul Wise. Uh, one of his uh, one of his uh, uh, clients was Sonic. And so he knew that they were looking for a jingle, So, and he knew that I had written original songs. So uh, he came up to me after one of the tapings, and he said, uh, Hey, Brian, um, I understand that you write songs. These are good. And he said, uh, Have you ever heard of a jingle? And I said, Absolutely not. And he said, Well, I know that Sonic, he told me what it was, and he said Sonic was looking for one. Uh, and so it took me literally about 20 minutes to write it. Uh, at the time, you couldn't play all of the instruments on a keyboard, so uh, I played all the instruments. I played the drums, and I played the bass, and I played the guitar, and I played the piano, and uh, had someone else uh, write some horn, the horn parts to it, and uh, had a singer from Nashville, a guy uh, from a group called Barefoot Jerry. I don't know if you remember them, but they were kind of big in the 70s, I think. But anyway, uh, his name was Terry uh, Barfoot, I think, or something like that. But anyway, so I got all that together, and uh, and it won a lot of awards. Uh, we had Tom Bosley was our spokesman that year. Wow. So that was that's Mr. Cunningham for all of... Happy days. Happy days. Yeah. And uh, so we... And so that kind of spurred on more jingles... And uh, so that's how I kind of got it into the broadcast music business then. So now I also see that you've been uh, you've been a producer, I guess, um, composer for different uh, uh, different TV shows and different NBC, CBS, TVN, ABC, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you know, it go, I mean, I have I have a huge paragraph for Disney, SeaWorld, uh, you right. know, for the Tejano Music Awards. I mean. You've done a lot of stuff here. Some of that, some of that, like the SeaWorld stuff um, and the Tejano Music Awards, uh, that was back a long time ago, a long time ago. But that was all basically through local connections here. Uh, all of the other stuff uh, were basically more on a regional and national level, uh, working with, uh, with audio companies uh, that produced, you know, they would have like a stable of people like myself who were composers and uh, programmers and stuff. And then they would they would hire me. They'd go, okay, well, okay, now here's something for Dillard's, you know, uh, or here's something for J.C. Penney's, you know, and stuff like that. 
So when I lived in Hawaii, the new Perry Mason program came on. Right. Uh huh. Okay, so that's one of yours. That well, that now. Uh, I didn't do any music for them, but what I did do was what they called ADR work, uh, which stands for automated dialogue replacement. Uh, now back now, now you can do it with computers and all that kind of stuff. But back then, we did something that was known as looping, where we would have the actor, if it was like an outside scene that they were uh, shooting, and uh, you know you were at the mercy of of the outside. Nat sound, which is like maybe a an airplane flying overhead, or or a honk of a car, or something like that, which would uh, naturally destroy a take. Even if the video was good, the audio was bad. So, what they would do is they would bring that video back in, and we would do ADR work on it, dialogue replacement, uh, which means that. Uh, the actor would have to come back in to a, a controlled environment like an ISO booth or something. And then they would come in and we would literally loop this video over and over again. And so, and they would, you would hit the button, you would hit record and, uh, and they would do it over and over again until it was, it was perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we did that. Yeah, we did that with the new Perry Mason. Uh, we did it with Father Dowling's Mysteries, which was another sh- show uh, that uh, it was the second time that I ever had that I had the privilege of working with Tom Bosley, uh, Mr. Cunningham, as it were. Yeah, because he was the he was the principal on that show. Uh, so, and it was a wonderful opportunity too because we had a chance to work. With uh, it was kind of uh, like the the uh, love boat in a sense where all of the older, more established actors would come and they would give cameos or they would do shots, so or one you know like little one shots. So um, so I had an opportunity to work with some wonderful people like Debbie Reynolds and Harv Presnell, who uh, they happened to be doing. Uh, the unsinkable Molly Brown. It was like a, a an off Broadway, you know, musical that they were touring with, and so Debbie Reynolds was there. So I worked with her a number of times, and that was awesome. That was awesome. So well, I know that you and I have mutual friends. That in fact, they were supposed to appear on my program in 2020 in March, March or April, March. I think it is. Uh, David and Celeste Clydesdale. Ah, yes. And the only reason they were not (laughs) able, they were working in Dallas. Right. They were supposed to do a a production in Dallas for the church there. Yeah. And COVID hit and everything shut down. Yeah. And they couldn't make it here. And they were supposed to be my program. And they're like, well, can't you come back sometime? (laughs) Because they're amazing people. Well, I I started working with David first. And uh, and then through David, uh, I got the extreme blessing of working with Celeste, who at the time was one of the biggest uh, children's musical composers, Christian, mm-hmm. uh, I think in the world, world. I believe. Yeah. And so, uh, so uh, f- God just, just, I mean, blessed my socks off there. Um, uh, David, you know, of course, does a lot of, uh, he's doing a lot of custom projects right now, but he's worked with every company in the world. Uh, he has his own company, uh, and uh, but we are now uh, doing. As a matter of fact, we just finished uh, three projects for 
uh, custom, you know, custom artists uh, that we recorded the Prox Symphony with them. So we just finished uh, doing uh, three projects. He's about to go back in November to do three more. And so I'm responsible for all of the synth work. Mm -hmm. So he hires me to do everything first as far as the synth and the click track that the orchestra works with. And so all of that goes to Prague before the symphony even even hits a note. Uh, and uh, But I did all of the tracks for Celeste, and we became dear, dear friends. And uh, I've done probably anywhere from 10 to 12 musicals for her. Yeah. And so they've kept me very, very busy th Thank you, David and Celeste. Thank you. Well, so. while they lived here in San Antonio, Susan got to be really close friends yeah. with Celeste. Yeah. And I think it broke her heart when they had to move back to Tennessee. It was like, oh, man, it's like she's become my best friend. And now she's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? But I think they still enjoy a wonderful friendship. And, yeah. And uh, that's just how the Clydesdales are. Yeah. I mean, I think that they're they're loyal friends and uh, and they pray for you without ceasing and and uh, they always kind of say what's going on now what's going on now even if you're not working with them you know yeah uh, I think that they're now uh, working with at Brentwood Baptist doing uh, musicals I think and doing children's things and David is continuing to do anthems and of course every time uh, you know July 4th comes you're always going to hear his Star Spangled Banner uh, you're always going to hear, you know, how great thou his how great thou art, which I think he's arranged, I think eighty times or wow. eighty five different versions of how great thou art. Well, I know that Celeste had told Susan, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, they, there was a huge Christmas program on television. Yeah, we have to watch this. We have to watch this. Why? <laughs> because David did the composing of all this, <laughs> so we had to watch this whole Christmas program. Well, you hear, and then I mean, when when the Boston Pops comes on. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of that is David's as well. So I feel very, I, you know, I mean, I've been in the business for a long, long time. And the Lord giving me this with, you know, David allows me to to continue to stretch and uh, the bar to be raised yet again. You know, uh, it's absolutely wonderful. So. Well, the one thing I, I can say, because, you know, the times when we've run into each other, have talked to each other at church and, and so forth. You know, um, it, it's so, I am so appreciative to know you ah. because I like knowing people who are successful at what they do, but they're humble to the, mm -hmm. to the degree of their entire being. And you are that. Oh, thank you so much. Well, well, I mean, I think a lot of that came from, uh, from my parents, you know, uh, but uh, but a lot of it has to do with becoming a Christian, I think, at an, at an early age for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it didn't make it didn't make anything easier. <laughs> I mean, living life, it didn't make it easier. But God promises to take you through it. And he 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 promises to teach you more about who you are, not only as a believer, but uh, but a deeper understanding of who you are as a person. You yeah. Know? Uh, you know, my my whole desire is to serve. That's my whole desire, you know. Um, and one of the ways to do that is to understand uh, perspective, 
is to understand yeah. the you know everyone's pers- perspective around you. Um, the one thing too I like is that I grew up with a single mom. Yeah. Okay, and from that. Uh, I guess with my friends, we all became huggers. I lived in oh, yeah. I lived in Hawaii for seven and a half years, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. everybody's a hugger. You yeah. know, you come to Texas, and it's a stiff arm to shake your hand. <laughs> you meet you, and your arms are out to hug. You I know? know they are, and not only to hug, but to pull you in. Yes, and so in the in this day and age. Uh, you know, you have to be kind of careful because some people <laughs> might view that as an act of aggression nowadays. But, but. No, I love to hug, and uh, I really, really do. And and I think if people get to know me a bit, I think that they'll understand that they'll know that this hug is something from the heart, you know. And it's it's something I think used to 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 kind of you know build or tear down walls, and if there's any kind of to kind of break the ice and and things of that nature. Uh, so so. From what I understand, you've had to move around. Did, now, when you were going to, did you have to go to Denver to work in Denver? I did. We moved there, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's where we moved. Uh, we were here from 1990 to 1997. And uh, I was a part of, of uh, a church here, CBC, Community Bible Church, uh, for uh, uh, roughly about three years, I think. Um, and it was in those years that I started to get, uh, you know, calls from Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that kind of uh, created for my wife and me a sense of, well, what is God doing? What is God doing, you know? So as we were praying about it, we knew that God was going to reveal. You know, we knew if we were just still mm-hmm. and and believed in that. Uh, surrender to God, he was going to reveal what it was. And sure enough, I mean, uh, you know, one of these calls came into fruition, this call from a guy named Armin Morales, who's the bass singer for the Imperials. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, we uh, we had, you know, received one of your music demos and we really liked what we heard uh, and we would like for you to program, totally program our next record. And so I said, wow, that's crazy. So uh, I said, well, thank you. Yes, I will. You know, <laughs> and, and so I told my wife about it. And so we kind of thought that that was an indication that we were supposed to stay here, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we hadn't really spoken to the music you know, pastor at the time, which is Ray, and we hadn't really spoken to him a little on anything. We were still kind of really searching our spirit, searching our heart, um, and so we we uh, decided that uh, that uh, we were going to see what goes on. They wanted me to um, they wanted me to uh, to fly there to mix their record. So I said, great. So I did. So I thought, you know, I think we're supposed to stay in San Antonio. So we went there and uh, right in the middle of our mixing, um, you know, they sat me down and they said, um, is this something that you really feel feel uh, in your heart serious about pursuing as a means, as a profession, you know? And I didn't really... I didn't really think of it that way because I really thought it, that it wasn't really 
even work to me. I mean, it was it was something that was so fun, and yet I was working day and night on it, you know. But it never seemed like work. So I said, well, possibly, yeah, I mean, I think so. And he said, well, then, uh, then you would probably need to move here for at least a season because uh, that way you'll know, you know, about how everything works and the business that you do. You'll be kind of taken seriously. If, if, if you want to get a bank loan, you'll get, you know, the banks understand what it is that you do as opposed to being someplace like San Antonio where they go, you're what? What is it that you do? You know, they didn't have a clue, right? So, uh, so uh, that was the time when we said, yeah, well, we need to move. So, uh, so anyway, but... Um, I'm like going all over the place here. I'm sorry, but uh, but but we did move. Uh, before that, we moved to Denver, and that's where we started. Uh, although I didn't do uh, a lot of music there, I did more. Uh, uh, I was like a chief engineer there, and that was for like a year and a half. And then we moved from there to Nashville. So I know that doesn't make sense at all. I'm completely going. <laughs> around the barn but it was but it was Colorado first and then we moved to Nashville and we stayed there for about 15 years Uh, and uh, that's where I started doing I was a a part of a stable there of writer composers uh, for a company called 615 Music and uh, and that's where I did all of this high profile national stuff Uh, they 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 were one of the, at the time they were one of the top three uh, production music houses in the nation. So so they were doing uh, just a ton of stuff. I was doing stuff for Animal Planet and HGTV, and uh, I was doing stuff for Rooms to Go, and I was doing stuff for uh, eventually for uh, like Doctor Oz wow. <laughs> and. And Judge Judy and all those things that are still playing to this day, actually. Yeah. So, Well, my point I was bringing up is the fact that my wife thinks your wife is incredible. Oh, well, thank you. So, And with all these moves, I'm thinking she's really incredible. She, well, she is, but she's also, I tend to be, as you can tell by how I'm speaking, I tend to be very spontaneous and not too grounded, a little flighty. I understand that. I got to own that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but my wife is another on the other spectrum um, entirely. Uh, she's she tends to be very calculated. Uh, she's she has run my business for the last thirty five years, wow. and uh, and so she is a. As much as to where I like to think I've got a gift of music, her gift is in management and her gift is in understanding, you know, what it is. Do we do this? So this happens and so this will happen. It's that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, she's she's the one that uh, she is the one that I always uh, when it was time to move back to San Antonio, uh, I would use her as. A means of is it time yet? Because uh, we prayed wholeheartedly about it, um, and oh, time and time and time again. And Terry was always, it is not time yet, 
because you don't have Nashville out of your system and there's still too much. We have, you know, we're like still getting clients happening in Nashville and all that kind of stuff. So, so when 2011 came and the offer was, was given, I went to Terry again and, you know, she said, I really believe it's time. I really believe it's time. So that's when we moved back here to San Antonio back in 2011. And, uh, and it was awesome. And so I was on staff for CBC for about 10 year, 10 or 11 years, you know? Yeah. So when, now were you on staff with Radiance Ministries also? I wasn't on staff there. No, but I, but I was always, uh, I always felt like I was a big part of it. You're always playing with them every concert I went to. That's right. Yeah. And, and I want to continue to partner with Radiance right now. Radiance yeah. is just really taken off. God's really using it. And, I really want to do that. I really want to continue serving there. Well, I know that there's one thing that you and I have in common. I go to Moldova, hopefully, and try yes. to every year. And you've been yeah. there, and you have that heart for that ministry and, and, and oh, missions. Yes. I do so Speaking much. Speaking of all that, I understand you are working on trying to get a nonprofit going. I am. Talk to us about it. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I have to get a name. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, that's important for some reason. But the only reason why I'm doing it, I had no, I had no knowledge that I could do that. I'm kind of a service-oriented company, is what I do. But, but one of the things that I've, I've have tried to serve over the course of all of these years uh, were music ministries. And one of the constant things that I, I found out about music ministries. Uh, where they were all, they all tended to be financially struggling, you know, uh, because it's like, how do I, how do I give money for, you know, production as opposed to, you know, money for, you know, doing other things that are very important within the structure of what they do. Um, uh, you know, so, you know, get feeding the poor, um, you know, uh, uh, Traveling, you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I came to a conclusion even back then that, uh, that the ministries that I were, th- that I was actually working for, I would, I would not, I would not charge them more than they could pay. So we would, we would go into before I began working with them, I would say, all right, tell me, tell me what your situation is. Let me pray about this, you know. And so, uh, that's how I ended up working. That's how I ended up. Uh, that has been my ministry, you know, uh, and continues to this day, you know. Um, and so uh, I started working through Radiance and through CBC doing projects with Moldova, with uh, Chisniv Baptist Church. Okay. Yeah, right. Or Kiv. Kishnif, Kishnif, it's a it's a wonderful word. Kishnahow, Kishnahow. If you want to Kishnif, I think that's the Russian way to say it. But if you want to say it the way their country is exactly yeah. right. Exactly. So we did those. We also worked with uh, uh, a Uganda children's ministry called Mwangaza, and uh, which I programmed and produced. Pretty much, I think, three records for them. Those are where the children go and they sing. They come over all over the United States and they sing. They do, yes. And so, as a matter of fact, they were in, uh, when I was living in Nashville, uh, they actually opened up 
some of the uh, a that that a year with the Dove Awards. And so it was them with Michael W. Smith, and Michael W. Smith got to know them and really embraced them and became a part of their his ministry. At the so time. we have one or two of their albums. So you worked on those albums? I did. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You should see my name on them because oh, okay, I'll look. They're, yeah, because because <laughs> they're there and uh, having a chance. They called me the truck maker uh, because they they uh, wanted to say track, but they said truck. So they called me the truck maker and uh, sent me one day to show their appreciation. I got this beautiful shirt that was handmade there in Moldova. Or, I mean, in, not Moldova, Uganda. but right, Uganda. And so I wear it sometimes, but it's kind of it's very bright. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Right. But it's very bright. It's very great. So uh, so I'm I'm working right now with a company called Russia Worship. Dot org, and uh, they're a nonprofit, uh, but they're they're doing children's musicals right now, and they happen to be doing Celeste's children's musicals. Oh. Uh, but they're uh, taking uh, over in Siberia and over in Russia. Uh, they're getting translations, and they're starting to do that. Well, a guy by the by the name of Jerry Schroeder. Uh, who's a wonderful guy, and he runs Russia Worship. Uh, he was wondering who had done the tracks, and so uh, kind of followed the trail through Dave and Celeste to me. And so now I'm working with him, and uh, we've got probably eight eight other projects on the on the tarmac right now. So yeah. we'll have to have you back again when you hit your nonprofit going. Oh, I would love that. I would so. absolutely love it. Um, uh, my, I would love to get uh, funding to where I can go to these to these to these music ministries and say, you know what, you don't owe me a dime. This is you know so, yeah. which would be such a, a blessing for them. You know, well, it's interesting. So uh, I go to Moldova. My wife likes to go with me as much as possible. Yeah. We go to Moldova every year. We're able to fund our flight there through our business. But when we're there, everything is, it's just all done. There's no charge. And they actually called somebody when I started doing seminars, like in relationships and things like that. They called somebody here in the States and asked, they were a big name. They asked if what they would charge or what could they, not even what they could charge. Could they come out and, and do a mission trip and, yeah. and speak? Yeah. Said, sure, but it could cost you fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, right, right. I'm yeah. like, wow. Yeah, I know it. So Well, it, I mean, um, the problem is with a lot of these music ministries is they are they are left to to they have to work with decade old decades old music content, you know. And so which impedes I think their ability to to uh, to um, to be as effective as they want to be, you know, especially if they're wanting to write original compositions and things like that. Uh, so that's why I think it's 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 uh, that's why the nonprofit. I mean, I had I had two different entities that were pointing me into nonprofit areas who didn't even know each other. So to me, in my you know, faith, I'm saying, well, this is this is something that I really need to, like, really research and see exactly. I mean, 
Being a service-oriented business, um, it's a little different, you know. Uh, and so uh, I'd gotten some I, – I, I've been in council and I've been uh, – uh, doing Zoom meetings with, with uh, you know people that are a part of this ACT International, uh, which is uh, a, a facility that facilitates nonprofits, Christian nonprofits, and so you know they're telling me it, that it can be done, but they're saying it's it, you know I mean it's like you have to kind of 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 weigh it out. You need to go either all in. Or you know, it's it's very difficult to have nonprofit as well as a for-profit business. So you need to really weigh it out. To really, is it something that you really want to go all in? And yeah. I believe my answer to that is a resounding yes. I really want to do it. Yeah. I do because at this stage of my life, my my purpose right now is to serve God. I want to serve. With with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole everything. So that's what I want to do. Oh, and I and I love that because in the believer's journey, I mean, I I don't believe in people calling and say, "Well, I charge X amount of dollars." It's like, well, I'll take a love offering. You know, I I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want you to give more than what you can afford. Yeah, it's really well, and it's really difficult, especially nowadays because things are expensive. Yeah, travel is expensive. Uh, you know, I mean, I had. I've I've worked with with top Christian acts in Nashville that would go in their bus all the way for just a love offering, you yeah. know, from Nashville to Los Angeles, only to find that when they get there, the pastor goes, "Well, we didn't get as much as we thought." So I have a friend offerings. of mine I grew up with. Uh, her name is Mary Rice, Mary Rice Hopkins. She does children's music, and she's done uh-huh. children's music forever. But she started off with. Um, Wendy Hoffmeyer, who's now married to um, Don Francisco, ah. uh, but she was married to Terry, um, Mike, wow. Mike and Terry, uh, can't remember their last name, but anyway, it's all in the music industry, uh-huh. and she will go somewhere and just ask if you pay her, so a lot of times pay her way there, Yeah, you know, and, and, and a lot of offering on top of that. We did, uh, Don Francisco, that brings up a, uh, a concert that we did here in San Antonio, Years ago, that was at Community Bible Church. They well, used beginnings the beginnings concert. The beginnings concert. That's yeah. exactly right. Where I was, they had me be musical director. We had like ten of the big '70s Christian artists. So we had Jenny Grime. We had Dallas Holm. We had Dave, uh, uh, Re- uh, Dave Reese. David mm-hmm. Reese. Uh, Seventy times seven. Uh, we had uh, all of these. Uh, oh Barry my gosh, McGuire was Barry there. McGuire. Uh, you know, all of those in. And so, I mean, I thought, my goodness, I wonder, I wonder how we got them here, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, as far from a financial standpoint, you know, it was really, it was really, really weird. So, and all of them have been itinerant, uh, for the entire scope of their ministry. They've all been just traveling from church to church, yeah. you know. So, my desire is to uh, is to create musical content that is new and that is fresh and that is relevant, and it is something that ministries can use and they can use to to you know create 
a, a monetary way of support for them. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Okay. Well, um, for everyone watching this program uh, or listening, you can go to our website at thebelieversjourney.net and go to the guest page or on our banner on this, uh, for this program. We have uh, Brian's email in case you need to contact him for any reason. You want to, uh, if you're interested in what he's doing, what he wants to do in his ministry. Uh, so feel free to, to go ahead and contact him if you need to contact us. You, uh, our email also is on our website. It's on our YouTube. And we'll be glad to uh, forward things or talk to you as well as that. Thank you. So Thank let's get you. to our, let's get to our um, topic. And our topic is to be still waiting uh, on God. And yes. That's really interesting. So I actually have a few scriptures. Uh, one of them, which is probably the most famous that everybody knows is in Psalms 46. Right. And it right. says, uh, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Okay, talk about this. Wow. Well, I, in what my wife and I have been, have been experiencing over the last few years, basically, uh, we've, we have, uh, really that verse has been, has been coming to us off and on individually and together. Um, uh, so we wanted to know a little bit about, about, about what it really means to be still, to, to really be, I mean, is it to, um, is it to just be still and wait on a word from, from God, you know, uh, and, and maybe it is. You know, maybe it is. Uh, we discovered um, the phrase to be still is derived from the Hebrew word Rapha, which we've heard of Jehovah Rapha, which is healer. But in the phrase be still, uh, it means to let go or to release, essentially to surrender. So... For us, that was kind of difficult. It's, it was kind of difficult because we wanted to know, well, if we did this, what was going to happen over here? You know, I mean, if we made this decision, how is that going to affect this decision and, and stuff like that? It was very difficult for us. The more that we had to, we had to think that through as humans, we got even more confused, you know. So to... To surrender, uh, it was something that that to us was it continued to be new, almost foreign to us. Um, so that's what we had to do. I mean, we we our prayer was, Lord, teach us what it means to surrender. Teach us what it means to be still. Teach us what it means to uh, to release what we have to release this burden, you know, what is it, you know? So after that, coming into uh, and no, after the be still, it's and no. Well, the phrase in, that phrase in its original Hebrew taken together with be still, uh, we found out that it means in order to know. So it would be, um, from an English translation, English translating all of that, it would be to surrender or release 
in order to know that I am God. So that led us to believe that that we need to take a step of faith, and that step of faith is in to surrender and know that God is going to work in that in in that in that faith walk in that faith walk. And that actually fits other passages when it talks about that. Yeah. Because the idea of be still and know I'm God, you know, in the English term, and actually in other languages, we all kind of come from the same, we derive all this from the same dictionaries and so forth. Yeah, yeah. It really doesn't have a meaning if you go back, until you go back to the Hebrew and do what you just did. Right, yeah, so. yeah. Well, I mean, I, and... Uh, you know, to have the word Rapha, that's kind of what, what kind of freaked me out that that that, that Jehovah Rapha is healer, but the phrase when you put that into this phrase of be still, it means to let go, to release. So, to me, I was kind of trying to put, you know, that as you as you surrender, in my spirit, as you surrender, as you release, there is healing in that. You know, uh, how I kind of looked at it. Um, Here's a passage in Job uh, 6.24. It says, teach me, okay, and I will uh, be silent and make me understand how I have gone astray. So a lot of times, and coming from from whether you're in a lay ministry or if you're in the, the you're actually a missionary or pastor. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of missionaries actually watch this program, so it's kind of neat. And actually, I've heard some pastors even watch it. But awesome. I think it's important because a lot of times we get on the idea that we have to take action, we have to do this, we have to do this, and we're yeah. we're pushing, pushing, pushing to all to find out we're we're trying to make something happen, and then going back, oh yeah, God, I did this. Come bless it. <laughs> you know. And what we forget is that we need to stop. We need to co- commit this to him, surrender to him, and say, yeah. "All right, let me see your work's done." Yeah, I, I feel, I feel so much that you know. I mean, um, that God knew me before the creation of the world. You know, I believe that we're eternal. You know, I think that my tomorrow is already written. I do. I do believe it. Uh, and so, uh, but, and yet God, I believe, gives us, uh, free will to, to, to somehow try to learn this thing that he's got for us tomorrow. Um, in other words, it's like, I, you know, knowing the will of God for me, uh, is knowing that any decision that I make, um, whether it becomes good or maybe it might be a mistake for me. I don't know. But both of these God can use. God can use, use either of them, you know. Um, a wonderful uh, worship leader told me just recently, he said that, th- that there was a difference between the anointing and the aligning, all right, where you can have an anointment an anointment. Sorry about that. I, that's what I call it, the anointment. But, or the anointing. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or, and then, but then, are, 
but then even even in, in the anointing, all right, um, where are you? Al- how are you aligned? Right. I mean, uh, is your ministry uh, when you're partnering with with other ministries? You know, um, you know, you could be partnering with a ministry and you could be just a little bit out of alignment. You know, and if you're not careful before too long, you are like. You know, yeah. within like in like different hemispheres, but you know that doesn't necessarily mean that one is right and what is wrong. You know, because yeah. because God God can work it and weave the resolve of either of these into this plan that He has destined for you know predestined for your life. Yeah, and that's how I feel. You know, you know, it was good you this topic i like it and i love it me too um i have to tell you i have a book that was in my library it was written back in 1971 it's 40 years old that's old by a name earl lee it's called the cycle of victorious living and um i don't know if you can see a copy of the of this here cycle of victorious living and um it's on psalms chapter 37 verses 1 through 7 um, actually, I would even go on to verse 9. But he does something here, and I want to get this on the camera because there's no other way to do this um, since I don't know how to put this on. But it's a, it's a circle. <laughs> it's a circle here. You can see this circle. And what we have is four different things that he puts in here. Uh, in You can take a, a snapshot of that on your can, on your computer. But it has four different areas that we talk about, and a fifth one about fretting. Okay? Yeah. I want to read the passage, okay? It it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the worker of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, okay? And wither as the green herb. So he goes into his, he says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Uh, Delight in yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart and commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will bring to pass uh, and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Um, and wow. what he's saying in this book is that wow. it's like we have a cycle, a yeah. little circle. If you remember the circle, it has these little four little areas. And the first one will say commit. We need to commit to him. Yeah. And in the fact that when we commit to him, we, we give, we surrender to him. Now we need to trust in him, the second area, trust in him. What do we trust in? We trust that he will take care of it. He is our God. That's right. Okay? And then we need to delight. Delight in the fact that he will come through, that he is going to be, he is our God, and he is going to be that which conquers and, and mm. will bring all together. And then finally we need to rest in him. We need to wait for, for him to come through and, I th- and all along the way, it says you might have a little squirrely, if you remember that little picture, uh-huh. squirrely, it says fret. 
what happens is we commit something and we fret. <laughs> so he's in the book, he says, when that happens, go back to commit, start over. And we're in a place of delight in him. When well, now we're fretting up, go back to commit. And it's a cycle to victorious living. And I think this is yes. amazing, oh, yes. amazing uh, psalm that David wrote that I think this guy put together in his book that just, I think is perfect. It's perfect. You can buy this on Amazon. I mean, it's on Amazon, uh, uh, The Cycle of Victorious Living by Earl Lee. And I think it, what you're saying in, in the form of this book has written it for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that, I think that uh, when you talk about uh, desires of, of your heart, you know, um, we have to have action before that happens. The action that we have to have is, is to believe. We have to believe. And we have to understand that God is always completely for us. Always. It's not just eight hours a day. It's not just he's taking the weekend off. You know, it's not one of God's attributes. It's what God is. God is, is love and God is for you. So everything that he does, uh, even though sometimes we're sitting here linearly looking at our watch, you know, going, all right, God, when, when, when I'm ready, when, when, but, uh, but there is something about God's timing that is just absolute perfection and he will always provide always. I totally agree with that. I, I really do. Yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, we get anxious, we get, yeah. you know, and in that we end up doing something when we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and you know what? He, what is the wonder about that? What's even makes it wonderful is that God can still work in it. Yes. You know, I mean, even if we're a bit, you know, kind of afraid or we have to, uh, you know, if we decide something that might have not been totally thought through, I believe that's not surprising to God. And I believe God can work in it because God loves you and God, God uh, somehow weaves it in to this plan that he has for us. So I like the, the verse he says in verse three, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. It's not just saying trust and walk away and, and do nothing. Yeah, it's an action here of, of actual lifestyle of what we're doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's totally being proactive in your faith. I mean, you got to be proactive for sure. Um, <clears throat> I just feel that that um, sometimes we we uh, I think the enemy wants us to think that we're not uh, worthy of it, that we're not yeah. that we're not worthy of what it is for unconditional love and what exactly that is you know you so. know i uh i've i've told this story and a couple stories by this uh man i've had him on my program his name's lon ekdahl he's probably and it's really interesting how i how i view things um i mean when we look at pastors we'll look at someone like robert emmett and think oh he is really probably the most successful pastor but the pastor that i'm going to talk about he had a church for a long time, about 100 people, grew it to 300, went to a different church, and, you know, had about 30 people, grew it to 500. And, 
But the thing is, is that I see him as probably the most successful pastor I've ever known in my life. Yeah. Not because he had 25,000 people in the church, but because he was, had the ability to bring the idea of faith into people's lives and entrusting their lives as a lifestyle. Oh, yeah. And he did something one time. Um, we were at church on a Sunday night, and we were leaving. And we, it was in the Nazarene church, and it was a mission church. So they, had, they were funded a little bit by the district, and we had to do the rest. Mm-hmm. So we're walking home, and the, and the treasurer walks up, runs up, Pastor, Pastor. She's all frustrated, <laughs> and she says, you know, we have a problem. Well, what's that? We, don't make enough, we didn't make enough money for our, our budget. We're, we're short on our, our mortgage or something. And he says, oh. Well, how much were we short? She said, like, $500.28 or something like that, you know. Oh, well, it's God's church. Let's go pray about it, you know. We walked home. You know, the next morning we get a knock on the door, and this little lady comes to the door, and she said that her son was in church yesterday. He's kind of come and turned his life around and meant to give this money to the church. But here it is, and opened up, it's $500. Oh, my goodness. Spot yeah. on. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> She, he immediately called the treasurer up. Oh, you, your prayers have been answered, you know. And Robert was one of those is one of those guys that that, and he would tell you. As a matter of fact, I remember asking him this question, and I wasn't the first one. But he would. But I said, "What do you attribute?" I mean, even back then, um, CBC was growing in in ways that we were just scratching our heads. We were going. What Why? is going yeah. on? What is going on here? I mean, we would have to, there would be a time where they'd have to rent more chairs or, I mean, as the weeks progressed and everything. And you would go to him and you would ask him and you would say, what's the secret? What's the secret of this? And he, and he would say, I don't know. You know, other than the fact that we're preaching Jesus. We're preaching Jesus, yeah. you know. And, uh, well, I remember coming to the church when Central was just uh, finished, built, and they built it for 1,500 people, and there are 2,800 there. Yeah. So now where the plans automatically to build a bigger church. Yeah. So they built it for 3,500, and as soon as the doors <laughs> opened, we had 4,400. You know, it, I remember. I mean, I remember when we left in 97, uh, they had the making it great in 98, right? Yeah. And that was to build the uh, you know, Central. Yeah. which was the main sanctuary back then. But I remember when he would fly me back, I mean, the walls would be lined with people, would just be lined with people. And they had to get, you know, chairs for the for the foyer, you know, back then. So it was unbelievable, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, one of his uh, quotes that I use all the time, you know, attributing to him is, you know, read your Bible and do what it says. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that that is so true. And I think that uh, people's churches, people's lives, people's relationships will grow when you take that on. I really believe so, too. I mean, I think that's what grew the church. You know, I mean, it's just that that simple little mission statement. Yeah. You know? And I think that, you know, when we talk about how do I how do I have a victorious Christian life? How do I have a victorious journey? What do I do in life? Well, that's when I say, go back to Psalm 37. Yeah. Read those first. In fact, the last two verses cease. And they're not the last two verses, but the next two verses. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. 
okay, in verse 9, for evil do doers shall cut, be cut off, for those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Wow. So the whole idea you're saying we need to wait on him, we need to really come to the point where to know who he is. Well, he says here, if we do this, we'll inherit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think uh, uh, waiting is is absolutely wonderful. But I love, I love the phrase to release. Yeah. And I and to release it. That's the thing. We can wait, but the thing that we need to do is we need to put it at the foot of the cross. And uh, and we need to understand what it means to do that, uh, because that's where healing, Jehovah Rapha, that's where the healing begins, yeah. is when you can let it go. And I'm real big on teaching and talking, sharing about yielding your life to him, surrendering everything. I, I love when we did the song, I Surrender All, yeah. I Surrender yeah, I mean Jesus at the center, and it was in that album. I think it was. Um, that that's it. My definition of worship, you know, is far different from people who think oh, it's going to church and singing your songs. <laughs> worship is is the giving of myself completely to Him as a gift, one hundred percent given and surrendered to Him. That yeah. is worship. Somebody kind of told me this, and I, I don't know it all the way through, but recently they said that uh, that. Um, as worship leaders doing music, we're there to help usher in the presence of God. But we need to realize that the presence of God is there. I mean, God is there. I mean, the Bible talks about whenever there's there's two or more, you know, I yeah. mean, he, he is there. So what we need to do is we need to welcome him. We need to welcome him. It's not that we're, that we're, we have to create something that he is there he's already there yeah you know and so we need to welcome we need to just welcome and understand it that in the welcoming that's where we can understand what the presence is yeah you know? so and i think um in all the years i was i was in the choir with, with ray jones something he did consistently is just i so admire this is like wednesday nights was practice but oh, really man. what he did it wasn't so much of okay, we need to get every single note right. What it was is like telling us you're you're here to prepare your hearts because Sunday you're ministering, and you're and that's it. And then and then what happened? And then what happened? The uh, choir rehearsal on Wednesdays became a church service. Exactly. And so and then it became a big life group. Yeah. Know? So you had people yeah. that were doing life with people. You know, during this whole thing, yeah. 400 people, you know, so it's and it, crazy. And, it, and it's all back to this, you know, to, to release of yourself, to uh, to know who he is, okay? Yeah. A and um, rest in him and, and... It's just being, it's just, you know, surrendering in order that you will know that he is God. Yeah. And, uh, and he is a God that is completely and totally for you. I think the more, and I think the more we understand that and put that to practice in our lives, I think the more we will see, more we can see and, and have the possibility of seeing great works done by God. 
Amen. I am ready for it. <laughs> yeah. I have people, I've had people in Africa and Asia call, write me and say, I've not seen the power of God. Where, where is it? Why, why don't we see this? Yeah, well, and I think this is a key factor right here. I believe, I believe we are in the last of the last days. I really believe it. Yeah. I really do. With everything that is going on, I think that uh, that's why worship is so important. That's why, you know, bringing people into corporate worship is so important. You know, I mean, I understand that now we've got Zoom and we've got, you know, uh, all this stuff. We were just talking about the metaverse, my wife and I this morning, uh, and where you don't necessarily have to get out of your seat anymore to worship. But there is something about the corporate worship that is so important uh, and to experience the presence of God with two or more people and to corporately, you know, declare him God. And yeah. it's there's something very important in that. Absolutely. So. Well, Brian, thank you for joining us. Wow, it's over? It's over? <laughs> no! It's, it's been a complete honor to have you on this program. It has been a joy and a blessing. And you definitely let me, well, I'll know when you start your nonprofit, but yeah. you let me know and we'll schedule a time for you to come back. I will. Thank you, brother. Okay. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Everyone, you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.